Hello and welcome to Real World HR, the podcast which is putting the human back into HR. I'm Louise Kennedy, HR expert, chartered CIPD professional and founder of award-winning HR consultancy Oculus HR. In the Real World HR podcast, we focus on people and business, telling the stories that we've learned from and explaining the processes which have supported the solutions. In this special episode, we're celebrating Oculus's HR's 10th birthday. I'm excited for this episode and I've been interviewed by serial entrepreneur Sophie Milligan, MBE. I'll be sharing the story of my time in business, some highlights and lessons learned along the way and what's next for Oculus HR. Are you ready to step into the real world of HR? So, Louise, firstly, happy 10th birthday to Oculus HR and huge congratulations to you on reaching such a milestone. Like, 10 is massive. 10's huge. Ten, it's like a child, a big child. <laughs> it's like but a big child. That is amazing. How does it feel to be celebrating a decade in business? I think it it feels quite surreal because when you look back, it is, as you said, it's like a child, isn't it? You look back and you don't always remember all those early days and the, the things that, yeah, the tantrums and the difficult times that came with it. Um, and you kind of take out the good parts, don't you? Take mm. away with the good parts. But I think when I look back at how, what we've done, what we've achieved, how it's, you know, how it's kind of evolved over time, I think I really, I do really feel proud of where it is that's come from. And I think that's why I thought, you know, for 10 years, you do need to make a bit of a fuss out of these things and you need to reflect back. And and actually, so many people are on the business journey that actually if there's some things that I can give and help to learn and people can take to have some takeaways from it, then absolutely, I want to be able to share those stories with them. Awesome. That sounds brilliant. Well, let's have a bit of a look back over, over the last 10 years. So take us back to the start. What was your inspiration behind founding Oculus HR? So I was working full time um, in uh, automotive. So I was kind of an on-site um, HR manager for a T1 supplier at Nissan. So I'd been there for about eight years and we knew the business was going to close down. So I was going to make 150 people redundant. Um, and it's it was a really difficult time. But for me, it was one of those pivotal points. I had two young children and it was kind of what am I going to do next? When I'd work there, we used to work in kind of a port cabin in the middle of Nissan. And you never used to see daylight. So in the winter months, you used to go in at quarter way in the morning, used to come out at six o'clock at night, used to see daylight on a Friday afternoon for a couple of hours. And and I really just felt like I needed to do something different. I wanted to be able to take my kids to school sometimes or, you know, pick them up if I needed to. And and life just needed to have a little bit of a change of balance. But also I needed to do that but as a mother, but also have a real different aim from a personal point of view with regard to what was the bit what was my focus and what was my gonna be my next challenge. I didn't just want to take a sideward step into another HR manager job. I wanted to kind of think, right, okay, what else can I do and push myself personally. So when it came to the point of um, closing the site down, it was kind of, you know, about eight months beforehand, I kind of thought, you know, this is a bit of a now or never opportunity. There's some money that comes from it. You know, there's a settlement agreement that because we want to stay until the end, let's just give it a go. You know, what, what have we got to lose at the end of the day? If it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And had you had any aspirations for setting up your own business prior to that point or was that the kind of catalyst to that was it that was the catalyst yeah and I think and I don't even think at that point I was thinking I was setting up a business as such I think in my mind I was thinking that's a HR consultancy you know I wasn't really thinking about well how do you operate a HR consultancy and kind of the finances and the IT and the marketing and the day-to-day stuff you 
I just went into it. I think I just went and jumped straight in. I sometimes think that's the best way because if you knew that you had to get all of those things in place, it would probably put you off before you get started, wouldn't it? No, I think, and I think if you, you're exactly right. You know, I mean, those early days, I did keep thinking, oh, well, you know, I I did work with the BIC actually in Sunderland, the Business Innovation Mm. Centre, and they helped me put a business plan together, which actually was probably the best starting point I could have had to be able to think about. Oh well, how do you well, how do you set the computer up, and what is it that you're going to do, and what documentation you're going to use, and how you're going to market your business, and and is it a business that's going to be viable? So it was it was good to be challenged in those early days, and I kind of still respect a lady called Debbie Simpson, still respect what she did mm-hmm. and helped me through because I think it gave me a solid foundation to start from. Really, yeah, that sounds that sounds really good. So where did the name come from? So <laughs> we um well, it was my husband's fortieth birthday, which he's just turned fifty in January. So um, it was his fortieth birthday. We went way to Rome in the January and um, we're having a look around and I thought that was the time I'm going to tell him that that's what I want to do and um, that I wanted to you know kind of just step outside of kind of the regular income which was we talked about while we're in Rome and actually went in the Pantheon in Rome and it's got uh, Oculus as for all it's the the visual that obviously Facebook on it's also a big opening um, in a circular opening in in the top so the Pantheon in Rome's got an Oculus in the in the roof we went in and the light was shining through the middle of the the um, Oculus that shone down and we kind of went away and we were talking and then we were like do you know what that would just be perfect. So the idea behind the Oculus was, you know, everything else kind of in the darkness is all the things that need to be done. You know, you need to have your contracts, your policies, your procedures and things in place. And actually the light shining through is when a business really wants to engage with the people, you know, to to um, to help them out, to be able to support them, to do the well-being element of it. And so that was kind of the the mindset, kind of the light and the dark that came through. So so it came from that kind of original trip that we, that That's we so did. That's so cool. Yeah. And what was his reaction when you told him that you wanted to Well, I think it? he just, he kind of, he was all... Well, he was, well, I was going to say he was all in. I think he was, he was in. <laughs> Don't know whether he was all in. <laughs> um, but it was, I mean, such a big decision. And at that point, as I say, the boys were younger. Um, we had two houses to look after. We had two cars. You know, you've you've got a lot of financial constraints that are on. And actually, I was I was kind of just coming up 40, uh, 36 at the time. So you kind of, you are thinking what's the right thing to do and what's not. And should you give it a try or not? So we're kind of, it was really important for us to discuss it and, and put some, boundaries of time on that you know to be able to say well actually we've got enough money for eight months we need to give it a shot for that amount of time mm-hmm. and I was very fortunate because I was still employed for kind of the first part of it you know I was still and I had the opportunity to go out and start network and, and side hustle yes, had, yeah which was good so I made everyone redundant I was in the midst of kind of setting a business up at the same time so it was a bit of a mix going on oh, yeah it sounds it so so tell us a bit more about Oculus in the sense of you know how are you supporting your clients with your HR offering so it's developed over time you know we've um, we've been very fortunate that we have been able to kind of to grow and develop um we do a lot of retainer work and that can be anything from people having you know kind of a handful of employees up through to businesses that have maybe got um two or three hundred employees um so we do a lot of retainer work where every month they, they you know we pay they pay the same amount of money and then we'll work with them as really as being their outsourced HR department so any HR issues they'll get in touch with us we'll support them in whichever way that they need sometimes some businesses want more than others but you know, we we adapt and support and and that's why I think people like what we do because it's more bespoke to their organization. It's not we know one size doesn't fit all. And it means that we can work across so many different sectors by be, being able to be as flexible as what we are. So we have our retainer service and then we have our ad hoc services that where people really just 
they may well want to work with us to kind of to do a particular project or it may be a case that they've got a disciplinary situation that goes on or uh, I've got some clients who are ad hoc but they use us every single month they might use kind of 10 to 20 hours a month so it just it, it's what works for them and what and, and it can fit and work for us as well mm. um, so we're just completely flexible um, and then we provide things like master classes so we do training for people kind of the bite-sized chunks just to be able to get managers, those accidental managers or managers who need a little bit more training to kind of get them on board and bring them up. So yeah, we very much vary what it is that we offer across all different sectors and across all different um, locations really as well. You know, if we can if we can work with an organisation, uh, one of our clients uh, based down in Cornwall, you know, we can we can work with them. That's absolutely fine. Or a regular one, we're doing some work with us over in the Lake District at the moment. So it just it just depends. It just depends um, on where people are and what they need. And in terms of that location side of things, has that changed as you know a result of the pandemic? Has that been what's kind of prompted that, or yeah. have you always worked remotely with some? Um, I think it's a lot more so. I think I think it's a lot more acceptable um, being able to work the way that we are now due to the due to the pandemic. I think I remember even being in the corridor in the office a couple of, probably about two weeks before COVID hit and speaking to uh, one of the girls in Hasha from a business point of view and saying, well, she was saying, well, we're going to start working on Zoom and we're going to, I was thinking, that's ridiculous. That's that's never going to work, you know, like, and that's not going to fit our business model at all. What are we going to do? And then you've inevitably been, for, been forced into doing it, but actually that's made us so much more efficient to be able to do it. As in, I would have always said, no, we'll come out on site and visit you. Where now actually... People really appreciate the fact that it saves them time, it saves us time and we'll do something on Zoom or Teams or, you know, we've, we've done all sorts of telephone calls, we've done dismissals, we've done redundancies, we've done we've done the lot over the last few years. But yeah, I think that's definitely been supported by the fact of um, COVID happening. Yeah. And how has the business grown over the course of, of the 10 years that you've been going? We've, we've kind of organically grown, really. We've been in a um, we've been in a strong position. We deliver a good service and inevitably that's, that's helped our growth. That's taken place there. So... We've we've been very fortunate that we deliver. Well, is that fortunate? We've been good at what we do, uh, which is inevitably being fortunate to be able to provide us new clients that come through. And I think there's kind of wake up moments as you go through. Uh, one of the points I remember, I was just speaking to someone about it before, was uh, you know initially we kind of we didn't do retainer services. We kind of it was a one off kind of project fee. Um, and then someone said, oh well, I'm going to work with somebody else because actually they do a retainer service. And I was like, ah yes. Need to do retainer services, don't I? And actually, that gives us more financial security. But as I said, really, you don't know what you don't know when you're setting up a HR consultancy, which turns into being a business. You kind of you don't necessarily know things. So isn't it funny? And then you're just adapting and, yeah, and uh-huh. expanding what, what you do. And it's that ever growth, isn't it? You know, it's the ever growth of kind yeah. of okay, what fits with certain businesses and how does that work for us? Um, and just making sure that you stay on top of that. I think even recently. Um, we've been doing some work around that from a business point of view because actually what you set up, you know, 10 years ago is different to what needs to be in five years ago and different to what you needed this time last year. So I think it's trying to be as on top as possible to make sure that we can keep up to date as possible to ensure that, you know, it works for us as a business, but also works for our clients as their businesses as well. Definitely. It's listening to them, isn't it? And then, mm-hmm. you know, what then fits, what can you offer and, and yeah. making it all work. No, yeah, definitely. So you've touched upon this slightly already, but tell us a bit more about how how the experience and support that you've had growing a business in the northeast has has helped you to to grow. You mentioned yeah. the 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 big the big, <laughs> which are good. Um, I think um, I think the northeast has got so much kind of hidden talent there, and I think we have an awful lot of 
SMEs within the area. I don't know whether we've got more than other people or other areas. I think it's actually less. Is it less? Yeah, is I think right. there's some stats around the northeast being one of the areas with the least number of new businesses. Oh, right, okay. But I think, as you say, there's a there's an opportunity there, isn't there? Yeah, mm-hmm. there, I think there definitely is. And I, I think the networking opportunities in the northeast are, are really strong. And I think there's a, a lot of good groups that are there that you can go out to and you can choose where to network and and with your people, the people that you need to be in front of. And I think that's a real strength. Um, so I think the, uh, you know, that, that's been a massive benefit. You know, I mean, that's where kind of, for me, that's where I started out, you know, with and the And do you business. think that's evolved? Do you think the networking's better now than it's ever been? Yeah, I think there's more available than there's ever been. And I think that enables you to have the choice of where you want to go to. And I think certainly when I set the business up, I kind of, you know, I networked. I could have done three-course meal. I could have done kind of, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, um, networking continuously. And that would have been a part of our daily or part of my daily tasks that you would go out and network. And, and I think as you kind of, look back on that you think right okay where is it that's where am I going to use my time where is it going to be sensible where are the right people that I want to network with who do I want it, it's sometimes not just even about the developing the client element but it is the the like for like of the people to what you are as well mm-hmm. um I think and certainly over kind of recent months realized that actually you know you've got you've got people at home and you've got friends and you've got family and things but actually to be able to then work with people or kind of have friends who are doing something similar to you that's developed through networking and meeting different people I think that's been invaluable for me and I think I've really kind of warmed to that I think you have as well haven't you you've done I'm a big fan of that so I think you're absolutely right so you're initially doing it aren't you just to win business and then when you're more absolutely and then when you're more established it's still important but I would imagine most of your work probably comes from repeat business referrals etc but I think it's that building your network because Mm -hmm. people that you've been friends with for a long time who have normal jobs will Mm -hmm. never truly get the pressures of of running a business and those ups and downs and things and I think you know I certainly get my energy from being with other people like yeah. even being with you this morning uh-huh. I, I will feel more energetic when I, when I yeah. come out of, uh, out of the studio this morning so uh, I think there's a lot of value in that but like you say you could go to stuff constantly so it's working out which are the ones that that give you the most yeah. sort of return of your time because time is so precious it when is. we haven't uh-huh. got much of it and we're being pulled in so many directions yeah. so yeah, I, I think that's really big. Yeah. Really and I think especially based on that, I mean, we are really a lot of time for money, you know, kind of we have to work to be able to earn when you're working on an hourly rate type basis as well. That, you know, so that does come really important. But I think the friendships that I've made through networking, I think are, inve- you know, inevitably the people that you want to spend the time with. Because actually I went away with uh, just to a kind of a conference thing for a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago down in London. And um, Claire, who I went with, she's, um, we've worked together. She's got an employment law. Um, she's an employment law system. We've worked together over the last kind of eight years or so. So actually it was lovely just going mm-hmm. away and you could, you're chatting because you've known each other so long, but then actually just to be able to bring in that work element of it. And then you, you know, oh, well, what would you do with this? Or how could you do this? Or, you know, kind of just to be able to discuss things like that and not for someone to kind of roll their eyes and think, oh, I don't want to have that conversation. I think yeah. it, as you say, I kind of came back from that very energized and thinking, Perfect. Uh, it's what you want, isn't it? It is. It is. And, and I think what you need as well. A hundred percent. You've yeah. got to, you've got to keep your energy tank full yeah, and, and, and it's people usually yeah. that, that help with that. And it's cool when you get to go away to things like that and yeah. go with someone you know or uh-huh. meet someone that you know down yeah. there which is... it definitely definitely helps I think to to build that growth mm, awesome so thinking specifically about the major changes that you've experienced over your time in business that relates specifically to HR is there anything that really pops out to you over the last 10 years 
well, without kind of bringing the word up as we always do, <laughs> um, kind of COVID, obviously, when that hit, that that really impacted on us as a business from the point of view is nobody knew what to do with the staff. So we kind of went into this kind of catalyst of, yeah, we literally were on the phone kind of maybe 12 hours a day. You know, those first few weeks, it would be call, next call, next call, because people didn't know what to do. You know, should they have the staff work and, you know, depending upon the industry that it was. And so that was, it was very challenging from the point of view when you have some people that kind of just went home and sat. You know, we didn't, we were not sitting. <laughs> we were literally full on at that point. Um, did that end up being a record year for you then? You must have had plenty. Yeah, I mean, we're very fortunate. <laughs> we get growth year on year anyway. Perfect. So we're always kind of, you know, we're always up on the previous year. So we, yeah, it was, a, it was a very good year. And if you think, as we've just said there, the business structure had changed because, that delivery all became online as opposed to um, kind of the face-to-face, which we were very much used to. So so that took a bit of adjusting and it was kind of myself and Deb that was really doing a lot of the delivery at that point. And it did take some adjusting too, mm-hmm. you know, because we were used to every day being out and, you know, kind of and creating that. So COVID was was difficult for us, but in a very positive way. But actually it was a lot of fact-finding for us as well because we only knew what the what the TV was telling us at the time as well and then what the Gov website. So we had to do an awful lot of fact-finding and we used to keep, keep coming across different situations which would go to Claire, who would be the employment law sister, to be able to say, what we're going to do with this situation, how we're going to deal with it, you know, and kind of to be able to sound that and make sure that we've got the right legal advice or as much as you could do in that circumstance to be able to deliver on it. So, so COVID was kind of a pretty full on. <laughs> it was mental, wasn't it? Like, I do, so. I, every so often, like, well, quite often, because it was so recent, I just think, how mad was it when we couldn't do all those things and we were yeah. working from home and I hated working from home all the time. I really didn't enjoy it. I know. And that's the interaction, isn't it? The interaction element of it. Yeah. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I like it sometimes and I, and I do like my own company, mm-hmm. but I think just having it enforced yeah. on us was, oh, I just, I didn't enjoy it. And it's funny, isn't it? Because we just conform to things so quickly. The bit that I always kind of giggled at myself, you know, when you're in the supermarket and then you were queuing outside the supermarket and you were wearing a flower mask. And- uh-huh. I mean, like you just couldn't seems, get the basic things. It just seems so surreal now. But then we all just conformed and when we all yeah, masked on, we all we kind of went out and did, did. what we did. And then kind of opening back up, you know, kind of. I tell you what, I don't ever want to do a Zoom quiz again, though. <laughs> God, Jeez, no. I'm not very good at quizzes at the best of times. <laughs> but it was that, again, just trying to keep social interaction, wasn't it? So, um, so yeah, so COVID was, uh, was pretty um, full on for us as well. And then we have got, obviously, you know, we did shift, as we've said, to kind of that remote working element of it. And to be fair, we used to work from home as well. We had the office, but we worked from home as well. So we had a bit of a mixture um, between the two anyway, um, which was good. So so that really helped. But I think that's probably catalyst us to be more efficient now than what we were before as well, mm-hmm. which I think mm-hmm. is probably big in lots of businesses as well. And I think the one that's really kind of playing well to really playing on our minds at the moment is kind of the mental health and well-being. We have so many different situations that come up with regard to mental health and we're, we're again, through network and opportunities, you kind of, you you know who can support us and support our businesses um, to be able to kind of feed into the right areas and the right places. So I think that's been, that's been really pivotal point, you know, we've, we do laugh sometimes, uh, you know, we do, we can change people's lives because actually we give people the availability and say to the client, right, actually, can you, why don't you do this? Or why don't you do this? And actually, if you fund that, then that's going to make it, that's, you're going to change that person's life, you know? So we've kind of been able to do different things and, you know, we've, we've got 
several success stories that come from being able to get, you know, kind of an alcoholic into the right type of care to be able to ensure kind of six months later he was then clean. And, you know, so we've been able to kind of make that wow. inductions with companies where actually we, we do make a difference. So, so that's been really important for us, but actually having that level of support mm. through our networks to be able to say, right, this is perfect person for this or this. And even um, over Easter weekend there, one of our one of my clients was in touch over the weekend and somebody had gone AWOL and he's been off for a page of time and they couldn't get in touch with him. The the MD had gone around and knocked on his door, he wasn't answering. Then the counselling person that he's been using that would introduce him to couldn't get in touch with them. So then it was like, so Good Friday, we're kind of should we be calling the police, you know, do we need a welfare visit on this or not? So so actually, you know, it's from our point of view, you don't necessarily What did think, you do? Well, we, <laughs> we did contact the police. So I was in touch with the um with the uh, the um counselling guy to to be able to kind of find out and he said look I don't think he would end his own life because they, for these circumstances and you know being able to feed that back into the company and making the decision so anyway we contacted the police and did the welfare visit on him and he uh, fortunately was okay obviously hadn't recognised the fact but but it's that you know it, it doesn't stop you know what we're doing doesn't no. stop you know yes it was Good Friday but actually you need to take responsibility and sometimes you just need to you need to continue on with what you're doing so to so do find we don't get an awful lot of cut off because of that but you know, inevitably, I wouldn't have wanted that guy, you know, not knowing what had happened to that guy over the course oh. of the weekend. And he recognised that, obviously, he needs to retain some contact um, with the company as well and with his counsellor. So, yeah, so it's all kind of, like, quite full on in those certain senses yeah. sometimes. Yeah, it, it sounds it. So that's been some of the, the changes and challenges that you've experienced over the last 10 years. But let's have a think now uh, about the highlights over your 10 years in business. Anything sticking out for you as a highlight? Well, I, do, I think you kind of, I think this is a reflection part of it, isn't it? You, because you kind of, you you go through, you go through and you do it and you're kind of like, right, I've done that, right, let's move on. And you, and I think it's the points where you, you actually realise, I think maybe potentially when I first took my first employee on, you know, to be able to, um, Deb came on board um, and she's been working with us about eight years and, and that was, you know, kind of a, that confidence build of actually you're not just looking after you know me and my family anymore it's kind of actually you need to bring somebody else on because the business is doing well and you kind of need to progress in that type of way so I think that was definitely kind of a highlight and then being able to be at certain points as we've gone through from a financial point of view you know kind of being able to reach certain points being able to take my husband into the business so he works in the business and he's been with us two years coming in July so um, that's been really good and that's you know again a highlight that we've been able to but he wouldn't have thought that that time back in Rome 10 years ago absolutely not (laughs) and he would and he worked for the council he'd worked there for 32 years so actually to be at a point of being able to say well actually why don't you come on board and let's you know and shape a role for what it is that he can deliver it's kind of well well, why not? You know, because actually it's all takes away things from me so I can go out and deliver, you know, because of some operational elements that I can do. So so it's those things that have been really important to um to to me as I've grown the business. So so there's been many highlights. I mean, obviously, you know, kind of your wins when you've got some new great clients on board and kind of when we've done particular projects that we've worked on and actually maybe as a company struggled, we've got one particular company who struggled for kind of three years with some of the people that were in, in the situations that were going on. And then actually we were able to get to that resolve and it was proper kind of like high five moment of like, that's what we're about. You know, that's that's what we intend to do. And that's how we make a difference to people as well and companies as well. 
And when you're having those wins along the way, are you good at, um, you know, acknowledging them and celebrating them? Or is it that thing of going on to the next thing straight away? Well, I'm a bit of both, really. So I do, I always celebrate kind of our annual anniversary, you know, so I always kind of do something, you know, uh, whether it's kind of um, with the with the team or whether it's at home, I kind of always do acknowledge it. Because I just think, you know, you hear so many stats around people failing businesses in the first year, the first three years, first five years, and then getting to that point. And, and actually, I think you also know how easy that could be taken away so kind of to to go through an ensure that you're as safe and secure from a business point of view as possible which really comes back to kind of the cash element of it doesn't it to make sure that you can continue your growth and you retire um, your, your clients and keeping that that interaction there so so I do quite well at kind of you know acknowledging those things but when it comes to that circumstance that I said about kind of you know the three-year issue we're kind of like between us and we're like fantastic we've done that you know get in we've, we've really achieved it and then I was like okay we're moving on though because I need to sort this situation out now so so it is and it's acknowledging it with the team as well because mm. I, I don't want them to ever think you know so I will buy them kind of nice little spa trips or kind nice. of you know like just a just you know a bottle of champagne or just because actually they put a huge amount of work in for it and it's it's things that they go above and beyond on as well and that's probably stuff you recommend your clients do <laughs> yes, so uh, actually had, yeah. a bit of practicing what you preach I'm <laughs> yeah, sure definitely so this question, this next question is, is a bit of a frustrating one for me, actually, because um, it's, a, it's a hot topic that, that I'm thinking about a, a lot in terms of entrepreneurship and you know, men versus women, not that it's a, a, a battle at all, but this, this concept of the female entrepreneur when we don't call men male Real entrepreneurs. entrepreneurs yeah. um, but, you know, what has your experience been like as a female entrepreneur and has it changed and evolved over the 10 years that you've been in business? I think... I struggled initially because I worked with all men. So when I kind of came out of automotive and there was three women out of 150. So when I came out of automotive, I didn't really think there was any difference, you know, because obviously I remember meeting Sharon MacArthur um, mm. and obviously she had the red handbag company at the time. And it was all confidence coaching and women. And I remember kind of pondering that to think well, why are women not confident? And I think it's because of the sector that I'd worked with it. And I think it was because of me, but also because of the sector that I'd worked within. So I think my initial coming out into being female entrepreneur was probably not as kind of prominent for me because I didn't really think there was much, shouldn't be much difference between the two. I think as as time has evolved, I think there has been a difference. I think it, there has been things that people get invited to different things based on if you're a male or a female sometimes, don't you? There's different opportunities that open up sometimes the way that people speak to you in different circumstances, kind of making assumptions about who you are within a business. So I think that there are different things, but I think inevitably because I'm because I am confident in who I am, I kind of kind of make sure that I feel like that's quite well structured when it's being put across um towards people. And I think that's probably trying to trying to ensure that I've kind of got my grounded roots actually, you know, being female and being an entrepreneur is something that's really um I, I would really encourage. And I think I look at kind of um People going through, I think it's a, is it the Princess Trust? Is it the, the young girls that kind of like leaving school? I, I, I was really kind of going to mention that around from the fact of, you know, when, when people are leaving school, they need to know about what opportunities are available to them. Mm-hmm. And I don't think being an entrepreneur is always something that's available. And I believe, I'm sure it's Princess Trust who do kind of um, education around women who are, are girls that have left school up to about the age of 24 and encouraging them to be entrepreneurs. And um, now I think that's really interesting. I think that that should be, you know, kind of taken over more and there's more interaction with that. And then they're very passionate around, um, I, I do work with um, a couple of local schools as far as being a governor and a, a trustee board member. And I'm just passionate around kind of kids getting the right opportunity to understand that actually there are opportunities about being an entrepreneur and 
you can do that being a female as well. Absolutely. And I think there's, there has been a big change in, in the last 10 years and probably even more sort of recently within that around entrepreneurship as a career option. Yeah. So I don't know what it was like at your school, but at my school, the careers advisor was also the art teacher yeah. and he had never done anything else apart from being the art, art teacher. teacher. Yeah. So when, when I went and had my chat with him and I, you know, being an entrepreneur or business owner wasn't even on my radar at that point, but yeah. it would never have been on his either. And no. I think, you know, teachers are... Um, quite often career teachers. Uh, I was fortunate actually that I had quite a few teachers that had done other careers first. And I think that broadened my thinking somewhat. But I think, you know, they stick with kind of what they know. And it's unusual to have a business owner that goes into teaching. So I yeah. guess we've, we just don't get to see that. And when you're younger, your role models and your career options are based on what you see. So it is teachers, it is things like emergency services, it's Definitely. what your parents do, it's what their friends do. And it's quite limited. Whereas now I think entrepreneurship's become quite trendy. It's quite cool. Um, you see it on social media. You've got, you know, there's pros and cons to what you see on social media about entrepreneurship. I don't know how realistic all of that is, but it has become an option now. So, yeah. you know, great if there's organisations out there that are, are providing support to, to help people. Yeah. I just think it's such an important aspect of it. So my son's 18 now. So obviously when he left school at 16, there was no chat around that. There was kind of, you know, fill this form out online, do the information that's on there. And I just see what it is that you're going to be. And there was this whole range of things that were on there, which none of them were, you know, really where he wanted to be at and, and what he wants to do. And I think it's just such a shame that that's not more spoken about in schools and the opportunities are, are not available that they understand more around it in schools. I'm not saying all schools, but majority of schools don't have that. I think it's about the delivery of you know, making sure the curriculum's delivered. I think they struggle enough with really, but what there's there, there is an area of responsibility about the next steps of what of what people move into. And I think they need to know that, you know, being an entrepreneur is is available for them to be able to do. Definitely. Totally agree. So another question that is typically asked of, of female entrepreneurs, how have you juggled work, life and leading a business, that elusive balance <laughs> and having it all? Doing it all. Um, well, it's difficult, isn't it? You know, I think, um, I think looking, we were looking at a, a little boy yesterday who was about two or three year old and my husband said, I can't even remember the kids being that age. And I said, well, you don't because like, you're in it, aren't you? You're in it, you're working full time, the kids are young, you're kind of, you're, you're just moving through this cycle of kind of getting through day to day on doing things. So I think, you know, setting the business up, I could do a little bit, you know, in the early days, I could do more of kind of the, the taking the kids to school and picking them up and doing a little bit more social interaction, which was great. Then as the business has grown, it's kind of moved into kind of very much work and full time plus um, <laughs> plus more. And I've just been very fortunate that I've got a good support network from kind of, you know, parents and uh, both sides of the family, you know, from parents and grandparents and things, which has been amazing for us to be able to do it. And, and I certainly wouldn't have been able to get the business to where it is now without having that level of support, especially when my husband was working full time. You couldn't have done everything that I needed to do. So, so definitely then it's been kind of the weekend pressure is on to kind of make sure that you spend the time with the kids and that you do things and that you kind of have those interactions. And um, and I love to go on holiday, <laughs> which we always laugh about, but I kind of love to travel. And part of that is kind of to, for my for my own benefit, but actually to widen the experience that the, that the children have as well, to be able to kind of ensure that they can see the world and see what the opportunities are. And that actually, you know, if you if you do this, you can, you've got the opportunity where you can, you can go a nice place and have great experiences. Absolutely. And, 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 so, and we do take the mick out of you about all your holidays, <laughs> but actually how bloody brilliant is that? Oh, that yeah. you, you know, that's a real 
um, badge of success, actually, that you it can is. choose when you're off to, you know, mm-hmm. as far as possible and that you can go to where you want and you can take your family with you. Yeah. Like that. I think that's brilliant. I think it is. Really and our oldest one's um, 18, as I say now, Jack, and he doesn't want to come away on holiday with us anymore. And it's such a shame, but so I've kind of made sure like the last, you know, four or five holidays that we've had have all been like amazing trips, you know, and obviously, as I say, I love to do it, but actually... They're then coming away, so I'm just laughing. He's he's been camping last night um, for the first time he's ever done, and we've never camped. So he's texting was like, "I need to come home uh, after one night." <laughs> after one night, I was thinking, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, how um, long was he meant to be doing it? Four for? days. Oh, <laughs> he's like, "It's raining, it's wet, it's this." But it just goes to show that kind of actually open open situations out and. And life's changed again, you know, the kids are like 18 and 14 now, so actually they don't want to hang around with us on anymore, you know. So it's you kind of, yeah, that juggling act is is less than what it used to be. And, you know, kind of, you know, we've got a dog instead and we <laughs> take the dog for long walks. But again, it's creating a new life, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And kind of where it fits in. So actually now to be able to work on a weekend's quite good. If I want to take some time off to do something else, that's fine because I know I can work on a weekend and you've got a little bit more flexibility. So the juggling act is is difficult and it's it's really hard. And I think it's just, it's trying to take each day as it comes, isn't it? You know, I think it's kind of like <laughs> who's looking after and who's doing what today, isn't it? Um, but it's hard. Absolutely. And this is quite a nice follow-on question, actually. So how, how do you make time to work on your business and not just in your business? I think over the years, you just completely get lost off in this, don't you? And then people say, you should be, you know, working on it instead of in it. And I think inevitably you work, you have to work in it to be able to kind of earn the money to be able to work on it, don't you? Yeah. To be able to give you the time aspect of it. But I've joined the, uh, the Entrepreneur Scale-Up Academy this year. Um, and that's been really, really useful for me just to to give me the focus really to be able to kind of think about, right, what what should I do? What, how should I be doing it? And in what context as well? So I think that's been really, really useful. And actually this year I've really felt that I've now got the opportunity. We've got Claire coming on board full time and I've had the opportunity and space to be able to think, right, okay, you know, let's let's think about our strategy. Let's think about moving forward. Let's think about the financial element, the financial element of it and making sure that the people are kind of, you know, got what they need to be able to, to be able to deliver what they need to. So so it, 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 I think inevitably over the time, it's been very, very difficult to be able to do. And I think about investing in the right support, I think is the other bit that's really important. So actually, if you're working in your business and you know where you want it to go, that actually other people can be working on your business, such as you guys at Mojo, you know, to be able to help out doing that. And Claire, who's just my social media, you know, it's, it's great to be able to have those things to be able to actually know that they're taken care of. And then actually you can, you can inevitably work within your business to be able to, but know the growth of it's still taking place because the plan's in place as well. So mm. foot in both camps really, I think. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And, you know, the, if you think back to those early days, you, you're doing everything, aren't you? You do it and, all, yeah. And, and, there are some bits that are enjoyable and you don't mind doing yeah. and some bits that perhaps don't suit your skill set. Yeah. So I think when you hit that milestone of being able to outsource the bits that either you don't want to do or you're not yeah. so good at or you recognise that you need but you haven't got that internal resources, that's a really big thing. Yeah. And it, it does free you up to then do all the to other do things all the and, other things. and uh-huh. to spend the time, you know, working on the business instead of in the business. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes a difference. I mean, even like IT, we're just changing our t- IT provider at the moment. And I don't mind about IT. You know, when the team ring up and say I've got a problem with the computer, I'm like, oh, well, just we tried switching uh, yeah, it off. So we try to turn it off and turn it back on again. But and then change and provider, you know, because sometimes then people people do try and manipulate you still. So I had this sales call with somebody and I walked away and thought, I've just been sold to her then. I didn't understand any of it when I walked away from mm-hmm. it. And then you think, well, actually that other person explained exactly what I need to be, that's exactly what I wanted. So it's about making sure you feel comfortable who you work with that inevitably give you that support to be able to run the business. So obviously 
because we're outsourced, you know, I'm more than happy to outsource what it is that we need. So for all our teams small, I've got to the support element of what I need externally. That is so interesting. And actually, sometimes it's quite good when you have a business like yours, unlike mine, where you are then back in that client seat and you see what it's like to be sold to and how yeah. you feel and how they make you feel. And then yeah. you can think about that when you're, when you're talking to yeah. prospective clients as well. And I think it's so important that people understand what it is yeah. and that they get a good vibe because I think, um, I don't know about you, but certainly in my time in business, I've learned to really trust my gut instinct a lot more, whereas yeah. I think I was quite naive in those first few years yeah. and you just kind of were very trusting and you just go along with everything and you get swept up in things. But it's only when you you've been around for a bit and you've kind of seen a few a few things um where you start trusting that gut more and yeah. and and having the confidence actually to say well no that provider's not right for me for x y and z i'm going to go mm-hmm. with this one or you yeah. know, whatever and i think that confidence comes down to being a crucial point and i think because actually in the early days you would have probably gone oh yeah 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 i'll just do that i'll do that and then actually you get swept up in something and every now and again just even at the weekend when i was doing some work there something came up and i thought why have i why have i done that you know like there's no reason that i should have spent that money on that because actually i was already getting it for this you know mm-hmm. so kind of you still do have those moments but that's part of your learning curve that you go through isn't it, it? Is. that you can think well actually you learn a little bit more each time and your awareness becomes different and you know we're by all accounts we're not a finished article are we we're always going to kind of continue to learn and grow but you know that's such a good way of looking at things because i think um it's certainly something i've tried to do over the years where you know if i've lost lots of money on bad decisions or whatever mm-hmm. which i have done um you know on a handful of occasions and i i try and look for the positive what was the learn what was yeah. the lesson and you've got it otherwise you then dwell on things like that for ages yeah. don't you i think it's how you change the situation into being positive and i think you're all allowed mm-hmm. to kind of i think um paul mcgee calls it hit more time you're all allowed kind of to like wallow a little bit but then actually it's right okay what am I going to do to move forward with this what difference is it going to make and actually because you didn't spend too long down in that part isn't it and actually yes you might have lost money or you might have done something that you shouldn't have done in that in that context but actually I need to move on I need to put that behind me no I've learned the lesson from it and and what's next yeah um so I think it's really important it's uh, positivity I think comes mm-hmm. with it all the time and I think trying to be as positive as possible which is which is difficult. I'm not saying it's always easy. It's difficult to do, but I think trying to keep yourself, you know, up there every day. It's like having a little chat with yourself on the morning, isn't it? Just yeah. to kind of yeah, kind I, of get I, yourself in the right place. I can totally get on board with that though, because I think when you're positive, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it then spreads out to the team. It's what it they does. see. Same with your clients. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no one wants to hang out with the misery, do they? You've no, gotta, no. You've uh-huh. got to look on the positives uh-huh. with everything. Yeah, I think it makes a massive difference. Definitely. I agree. I agree. So what advice would you now give to any aspiring entrepreneurs? Oh, probably loads of advice, really. I think one of the things is make sure that you have your network, you know, have your network of people, have your people that you can ring up and say, what should I do here? How should this happen? Is this the right? Is this wrong? Have have a sounding board. I think when you've got a sounding board to be able to work from, I think that gives you a good starting point because, you know, you don't have to take everybody's advice on board, but at least you know where to start from um, with it as well. I think you can get very lost off going down a, a rabbit hole and it's until somebody says, oh, have you thought about doing this? And you think, oh, no, I didn't think about doing that at all. So, so that's where I think that network element comes in. So I think your people support is good. Do you think your support network need to understand your business and your industry? I don't necessarily think they need to understand at all. I think they just need to 
be there to be able to, you know, if you want to sound something off. And because a lot of it comes about being in business, doesn't it? It doesn't necessarily, mind, it doesn't need to be about the HR element of it because I'm, cause I've got that nail because I'm good at the HR. Mm. But actually, you know, uh, to talk to somebody about, well, what, what do you do around insurances or what do you do about IT? Like, what, what, what resources do you use? Or, you know, to have someone that's kind of, you know, that you can just sound something out and they give you different options. You think, oh, yeah, yeah, I never thought of that before. That's when then you can go away and then you can, you can you know, tap into kind of the, the different people, businesses that provide that support. And I think I remember still early days, someone had recommended when I was trying to find an accountant, go and speak to three different people. And I did. And I didn't know what I was asking because I didn't know what I didn't know. And then thinking, ah, yes, I know exactly which one I want to go with because I had that wealth of, you know, the same questions as different people and you kind of bought in and I still use the same person now. Mm. So they're the type of things that I would definitely make sure that you're kind of available to ask and speak to people. So I think the people element of it is good. And I think, as I would probably always say from a HR point, you make sure that you get the right people in place to be able to support your business as well. Because I think you, you know, you, we've all done it. I've had people where it's like not quite the right fix or fit for your business, but but actually, you know, make sure that you do your right recruitment to be able to get the right people because inevitably that's going to support your business taking it forward. And it's your reputation. Mm. Ultimately, they need to be able to provide the right service to so you. What would be your top tips then on someone, an aspiring entrepreneur taking on their first hire? Because that first hire is so crucial, isn't it? It is. It's so crucial. Well, I think it's about making sure that that process is right. You know, what what is it that you are as a business? You know, what what is your, what do you want your culture to be? Um, what's your values to make sure that actually the person that's coming into your business is going to fit in with you? Because if you've got someone that's polar opposites, you're never going to kind of get that working relationship right. Um, so I think think about your culture, think about your values, think about making sure that you recruit them in the right way. So speaking to them and kind of engaging with them and setting your stall out at the very beginning. You know, this is the way that I want it to work. This is how um, I see the interaction between us, whether it's in an office or not, you know, whichever way it would be. Just making sure that the that the process is done right, and you give them a contract of employment. Um, you know, make sure that you've kind of ticked your boxes. It's not about having loads of policies, but make sure you've got a contract of employment. So, I think the the fit of the culture is um, of what you want the culture and the values to be is probably the primary feature. Which I would probably guess ninety nine percent of people at the very beginning don't know what the values are within the business. So sometimes it is thinking a little bit around who you are and what you stand for, which is maybe inevitably where the values of the business start and then they start to grow from there. Mm, that's really good advice. Any other little tips for aspiring entrepreneurs? I think just trying to be as confident as possible. You know, when you're going into these situations, I think you kind of, you know, you know what it is that you're doing. You know, you know your fields, you know that you've got kind of your confidence of what you're going into it with. And, and I think it's trying to not be intimidated by other people, isn't it? And other situations that are there as well. I think it's trying to be as positive as possible when you're going into these situations. And, you know, sometimes things work and sometimes they don't. But actually, you can step away, reflect, go back and think, I'll do that differently this time or I'll do something um, something different. So, you know, it's not always going to be the right thing works first time. And I think there's a lot of um, different reading that you can do and says it's okay to fail. It's okay to fail because actually, you, can, you know, put it all back together and, and take your next step and, and kind of, you it's where know. the biggest loans come from sometimes, exactly, yeah. isn't it? Exactly, uh-huh. yeah. And so we, we will all lose money and we will all kind of do the wrong hires or we will, you know, take the wrong steps at the wrong time. But actually take it back and think where you need to be and then, and then take the next step again and use your network around you to be able to do that. Mm. Love it. Okay, Louise, so let's look ahead now. And what would you say is going to be next for the future of work and HR? I think it's about keeping people right. We have seen changes around what people are doing since COVID and going back to COVID again but since COVID people are more responsive they're more reactive to things we've seen more grievances put in than what we've ever been seeing before 
but it's about businesses making sure that they can deal with things, you know, that they can deal with situations correctly. Performance management is really big at the moment as well to make sure that that's there. And I think really then coming back to kind of the two two hot topics was really around recruitment, making sure, as we just touched on there, around kind of making sure that your recruitment is right and that you've got the right processes in place and you know what it is that you want internally before you start bringing somebody external. And when you do bring them in, that you can retain them because actually you've got the right situation as in checking in with them and doing, you know, step-by-step probation periods or reviews and objectives, you know, having something clear in place. I think that's really important. And I think another particular area that we touched on there before around the mental health. Mental health is is really an area where people, many business owners don't know what to do. So people come along and say they're struggling with this, you know, they've got anxiety, they've got depression, they, they need to take longer periods of time off work and people just don't know what to do. Um, and I think it's about making sure that they provide themselves with enough information from locally, you know, to to find the right resources to be able to help them out to do the right things because that's not going anywhere. You know, there's more and more people using um, or are stating that they've got mental health concerns and we really need to make sure that people are looked after and, you know, that if people can be at work, that they are at work. And if they're not at work, actually, they're the right fit for the business. You know, how does that work from your business point of view? But making sure that you're following those processes there and, and really looking at what support you can give. I mean, a lot around like neurodiversity has come in, you know, around people who have been diagnosed with ADHD and um, kind of autism and a business needs to take responsibility around that, making sure that they're speaking to their their employees and doing the right things at the right times that help them. I mean, it, it may be a case you can't make all the adjustments to everybody, but that you're doing the right things at the right time to be able to support the staff that you've got in place. That's moved on so much. I, it makes me feel a bit old when I think about when I entered, you know, the work place um but no one spoke about any of these things then like i no. remember the only thing that people used to speak about was dyslexia that was it yeah. that was it was as if that was the only adjustment that you ever needed to yeah. to make um you know put things in place for in the workplace whereas now it is there's it's a minefield isn't it and actually mm-hmm. as an employer you know unless you have experience of those things with family or friends or whatever it's really hard. So mm-hmm. this is where it's great to have, you know, services like yours that can come in and provide that expert help and point yeah. them in the right direction and, and and get them to think about what is a reasonable adjustment and what can be done and what mm-hmm. should be done. And I think it's so important that the calls that we get from business owners about this type of thing are very much around that's what they're having sleepless nights over. Wow. They've got an employee that actually is in work but is unable to perform properly and it's not really a performance issue because they know that they've got some mental health concerns and you know and and sometimes potentially it's kind of a you know a dramatic situation that's happening in the workplace or what they've got going on external and they're bringing into the workplace so that's what business owners lose sleep over Mm. because they don't know what the right steps are to be able to take and actually for them just even to have a conversation with us and just explain it and we give them different options to be able to say have you thought about this have you thought about that and and they're so lost off in the thought of this is what's going on. They're not really thinking about the solutions that go with that. So actually, again, kind of making sure that you've got that support network around you to be able to just discuss it. And even, you know, it might not be discussing it with the likes of a HR company. It could be discussing it with your network of people mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, gauge different options that are available to people. Mm-hmm. It's just so important and it's such a big area. And as you say, you know, something like ADHD, like I've been working for like 26 years now you know kind of that was never mentioned it was not on the radar and I think the next two to three years we're going to see this the number of companies that have got people on waiting lists to be diagnosed with that is quite substantial so actually 
the the changes that people are going to need to make from a business point of view are going to be quite um quite prominent over the following it certainly weeks seems and months. to be the hot topic yeah. oh, without a doubt everywhere <laughs> everywhere especially <laughs> on linkedin people are very much posting about it on linkedin yeah so and it's and there's a lot of people that are undiagnosed so i think as we and i think the waiting list is about three years on wow. the on the day to be diagnosed with the nhs um so i think that's a, a massive area that we're going to see a, a big increase on and then what are your plans specifically for, for you guys at Oculus HR? So as I mentioned there before, we've got Claire coming on board full time, um, which is going to be really great for the team. We're going to be able to um, kind of expand our services that we've got there as well. So we're just really putting together some um, additional services that we can offer, um, which will hopefully look at things such as being able to support HR managers from a coaching point of view. Um, potentially being able to support um, new people moving into HR consultancy um, and to be able to support them to be able to help their growth as well. So there's there's a couple of different areas that we're looking at um, as well as, you know, kind of the, the areas that kind of would help support the the day-to-day elements of it you know at the minute we've just come across a company that's pretty much broken you know we're kind of we're, we're putting them back together you know we're fixing we're fixing the people and um, with the discussions and the conversations so things like that would like to get more involved in as we as we kind of move forward from there as well so where do you think you'll be 10 years from now who knows hopefully on a beach somewhere <laughs> <laughs> no, you, from, no. probably probably um, so no I, I think it's 10 years from now I think it's been able to kind of grow the business and you know we, we have been very fortunate because we have done year on year growth so over the next over the next 10 years we'll probably we'll, we will see some kind of um, big growth that will take place so kind of some big steps forward um, not necessarily about the change element of it but actually um, to be able to support more people um, throughout the UK and more businesses throughout the UK with, with what it is that they need of all different sizes of business as well. Exciting and what about you what's next for you personally? Oh, who knows? Um, so generally, I think it is it is thinking about um, different activities that I want to kind of get my teeth into um, and just to be able to inevitably, you know, I'm, I'm going to do what I do, you know, from a HR point of view, when it's about being able to expand that out a little bit more now. Um, so I'm probably doing, looking at doing some kind of speaking events um, to be able to do some work around the emotional intelligence um, and kind of the impact that that makes around leaders within the workplace and how that fits back into HR. Um, so we're kind of, I'm quite looking forward to being able to kind of get my teeth into doing something like that. And then uh, I think probably really quite interested around that HR manager or HR consultant support um, to be able to kind of to take that growth path with other people um, who are starting out, um, you know, whether it's a, from a HR manager point of view, starting out within their career in that, you know, at that level within a business or um, from a HR consultancy point of view, kind of actually how does, how does someone set a business up, which is where it all comes back to. So I think for me, kind of personally, from a work point of view, it'll be very much around around that element of it. And then inevitably to travel, um, to, to continue my travel adventures as well. Is there anywhere that you haven't been that you, is on your, on your hit list? Oh, I've got a huge hit list. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a huge list. So, so kind of my current one that I really want to be able to do is go to, um, to do Canada and across on the, the Rocky Mountains train and then do a cruise up into Alaska and around oh, there. Wow. So, so that's kind of one of the ones that um, I might need to be child free by that point. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but no, that's one of the ones definitely on my list to be able to do. But I've got, I've got a whole list of places that I, I need to bet. go to. <laughs> I bet. I know who to come to for holiday oh, recommendations. Holiday <laughs> I like that nearly as much as my job. Well, maybe there you go. Spin off. Oculus travel. Oculus travel. I think I'm doing well with that one. Brilliant. Thank you very much for listening to the Real World HR podcast. If you need any support with HR queries or would like to connect about anything I've been chatting about, get in touch with me at louise at oculus-hr.co.uk subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on our future episodes and please do leave us a review and rating 
Are you ready to step into the real world of HR? Putting the human back into HR. 